Man, it's a blessing, so let me share with y'all, y'all that don't know, and, and first, it's good to be back. It's been a while. I haven't been in this building preaching. I've been down in the building below um, for the summer. It seemed like every Sunday I was down here, um, but it's a blessing to be back with y'all. That building program has started two years ago. We bought land, and then we started designing a building, and um, God has provided the funds so far to, to do phase one, which is framing it in. Um, all the labor is vol- volunteer labor from across the nation. Um, the team's coming back on September 9th to spend a, a week with us again to get that thing fully dried in. And, uh, and then we got to raise funds again to, uh, to do the inside. But I was sharing with, with Brian, I said, you know, when we, uh, when we started this and, and started designing this building, we, we had about 35, 40 people on a Sunday. So at the sanctuary, it looked big. I was like, man, we've got to put something there to not make it just look as empty space. And uh, now that we walk through it, two years later, we're like, oh, my goodness, we need to, we need to add more to this because we don't have enough room. So God is faithful. We have about 100 people. Um, if, if everybody comes on a Sunday that comes faithfully, um, we'll have over 100-some folks that come to church now in Cowley. Um, next week, we'll have a baptism where we baptize about seven folks we've seen. 13 people come to know the Lord this year. So um, we're blessed, and, and I want to thank this church for your part in that, for financially partnering with us, praying for us. God is doing the work, amen? So um, thank you guys for looking at that. Let's, uh, let's get to today's message, Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, as you've seen on the screen, it says, God is still able, is, is what I titled this message as, you know, 9-11 is, is a day that America will never forget. It was a terrifying day. I remember um, in South Africa, I, w- I walked in from outside. I, I, I went to an all-boys school. We lived in dorms. And um, I, I came back from practicing rugby or something. And, and I walked by the TV room. Our TV room was always empty. We were farm kids. I went to agricultural school. And uh, I saw the TV room was filled up. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I walked in and I saw these planes crashing into... The, the, these big buildings, which I didn't know what it was at the time, and uh, I said, man, somebody done made a sick movie of planes crashing into buildings. And they said, no, it's America being attacked. And uh, I, I bet you can, fit, you can remember um, where you were that day if you lived in. Um, but there was lots of loss of life. I, I think it's safe to say that the world lived in fear that day. I think if we looked at the world in that day, um, I know South Africa did, and and uh, I know America did on that day, and I, I know travel bans was everywhere after those attacks. attacks. The world were in fear. So, so I, like I said, I, I wonder if you remember where you were at that time. I bet it's like a time stamp in your, in your mind. This is where I were when America got attacked. Terrorists attacked the nation at its core with everyone frightened. And you said with one man that, that everyone looked to. A nation's hope and response sat on his shoulders. And that was the president of the United States of America. And nobody can prepare you for that. When you get voted in president and they say, hey, there's going to be your, 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 your nation's uh, uh, core of, of, uh, is going to be hit, the, the biggest, tallest buildings, and, and lots of life is going to be lost. Um, you're going to have to respond to that. What would you do? Nobody can prepare you for it, right? So here a nation is looking to this man for his response and sit on his shoulders. And, and how will they, or how could they, rise from the ashes? And then Bush came out and he said this. I don't know exactly how long after this, but this was this was his, his words. He said, these acts of mass murder 
were intended to frighten our nation in chaos and retreat, but they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. President George W. Bush. And just like that, just like that, America and the world standing behind America believed again. They believed in themselves and they started to stand up and rise up from the ashes. As Christians, my Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we too are at war. And some of you here today feel weary in the battle. Some of you have lost hope, and some of you feel completely overwhelmed as a Christian. And, and, and at the task at hand, or you've been attacked. So my prayer is that after today, that you will be encouraged, and your focus will be on the mission at hand. So read with me. Galatians um, chapter 1 from verse 11. And, uh, and, and I guess if, if I would say that there's a lot of weary Christians. Amen. If, if, we can, if we are honest with each other, man, we are tired. We're tired and, and we're being attacked. So today, if you are weary, this is for you. Let's read. For, for, I would have, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that is preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age amongst my people, so extremely zealous, for I was the, for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles... I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into a, a river and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw no one, uh, no one other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie." Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us, now preaching the faith, he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Father God, as we now look into this text in detail, Lord, and I just pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would move, and I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to point out three points to you today, or three uh, observations out of this text that we're going to look into a little deeper. So, so the first thing I want to, want to tell you this morning is, is you share and God changes the heart. So let, let's look again at verse 11 and 12. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. See, when Sean Pillay, a good friend of mine from South Africa, arrived in Connecticut, 
from South Africa to plant a church. He, 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 God moved in his heart and he said, hey, move to Connecticut and reach the people of Connecticut. If Sean Sherry shared his story with you, he said, I, you know, growing up in South Africa is a little different. And, and you look to America as this wonderful nation. Everything's great. Everything's good. And it is still the best nation in the world to live in. But he said, I didn't know they were homeless in America. And I went to Connecticut and I saw homeless. And God just worked in my heart and said, Sean, go plant a church in Connecticut. So upon arrival, he said to himself, I'm going to reach and lead the people of Connecticut to Jesus. See, he was called, equipped, devoted, and excited to finally be where God has called him to serve. He will tell you that after a few months, he realized that it's not so much up to him. See, it, it was not up to him. We realized, what he realized was that the only thing that will save people is Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit through Him. Amen? So Ephesians 2.10 tells me this, that we, that, that we are saved, you know, Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, We are saved by grace through faith, not of works our own, so no man may boast. And then it says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand, so we may walk in them. See, God prepared the work for us beforehand. Amen. We don't need to go create that work. We don't need to go out and say, hey man, here I am. I'm God's man. I'm called by God. I'm going to do this stuff. I'm going to reach waterland for Jesus. Uh, it, it's all about me. That, that's not it. God prepared the work beforehand. You don't need to create the work. You just follow God. In Acts 1.8, uh, what was the, command that, the commandment that God gave us in Acts 1.8? It says, you will receive power... So, so God's power, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and to the end of the earth. So you will receive God's power, and you will be God's witness. Amen? So the commander said, you will be my witnesses. So listen, church, if you are weary and tired, it's not about you. It's not up to you, and, not, and it's not about what you know. It's all about Jesus. Amen? It's all about Jesus. So let's go back to what Paul said. He said, the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. <laughs> that leads me to Titus. Titus 3.9. It says this. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, decisions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. <laughs> what do we discuss today? Huh? What is the things that we want to run after to people about? Foolish discussions about genealogies and all that mess. Right? He said, don't, that, that's worthless. Then Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5, it says this, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So here's the deal, church. Right? It is not you that changed the heart. It's God that changes the heart. So our job is to share, live, and teach the gospel. Amen? We, we, when, we take it, uh, when we take on the job of God, we get defeated. When you say it's up to us and we get into those foolish quarrels and we, 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 we argue with fools, did you, did you, do you understand what Proverbs said? He said you've got two types of fools, right? One fool want to be a fool, the other fool just don't know. That's redneck, but 
That's what that is. So the fool don't want to be a fool. Don't, why are you arguing with him? That's not your job. That's not your job. Right? And quit, quit. You know, the world today, my goodness, they, they fall into this discussion that they want to take you down this rabbit trail that leads further and further away from Jesus. Well, science says X, Y, Z. No, no, that can't be. And then you argue that point. Get to Jesus. Uh, and listen, what, what, you know, why are we getting into discussions about genealogies and the law? Old earth, new earth. If a person is not at a point to accept Christ... And they make it clear, don't try to push it down their throat. All that's going to happen is you're going to push them away. If, if you never get to Jesus, no matter if you halfway convince them of your point, you still have gained nothing. Amen? Have you ever thought about that? Man, we can sit for two hours in a discussion over foolish stuff. And, and yeah, it's, it's important, old earth, new earth. You know, genealogies, all that, it's important, yeah, the big scheme of things. But, but listen, if you never get to Jesus, what have you achieved? What have you gained? Nothing. See, last week a boy told me, he was actually on the construction crew, he said the earth is flat. He actually drawn his, on, his, on his heart that a flat earth. I said, man, you've got to be kidding me. So I went to this dude, and he's a young college kid. I said, I, I messed with him. And I found out that he was, he was joking, but kind of not joking. But you know what? Who cares? Right? Who cares? The dude is saved and sharing Jesus. That's what matters, amen? The Bible don't tell me the earth is round. Who cares? The dude is, is saving and sharing, saving people and reaching them for Jesus. That's what matters. So my point is, don't try to win a heavenly battle with earthly ammunition, Amen? Back Jesus. See, get to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, for whosoever believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Get to that. Don't worry about how old the earth is. Is it flat or round? Or who, who's who's daddy and who's not? Don't, that, that don't matter. Amen? Get to John 3.16. Get to Jesus. That's the only thing that will change. And then John 6 Verse 44, it says this. Y'all are quiet up in here. Come on. It says, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him to me, and I will raise him up on the last day. So church, here's the deal. you got to get them to Jesus. Amen? You will not save them. You will not change their mind. And you will not get them closer to heaven unless you are packing Jesus and you get them to the Jesus you are packing. Amen? you got to get them to Jesus. Romans. We're going to be all over the Bible today. Romans 1. Verse 16. It says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Did you see what that said? I am not ashamed for why of the gospel because it's what? It's the power of God. Amen. You, you live a life full of Jesus. Be intentional to share the gospel. Do not put it on yourself. Don't get in arguments with fools. And then you watch God work. Amen. That's how we will win people. So some of you will tell me, but preacher, you just don't know the type of people that I deal with. 
fed. I might not. And the folks that I witness to, and I'm giving up. There's just no way that they're going to get saved. So, <laughs> I'm going to thank you. I'm glad you said that, and I'm glad you think that. Because guess what? We're going to look at the Bible once more. The, the, the second um, observation I have for you this morning is God can save anyone. Amen? God can save anyone. Verse 13 to 17 reads like this. For you, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age amongst my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach to him, might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anybody, and so on. So listen. Did you just hear that? Do you know Paul is the one writing this? Did you just hear that? Man, people fled Paul. He, he, he led missions to go and kill Christians, to put them in prison. He approved of the stoning of Stephen. Uh, I, I bet people said, there is no way that that man's going to get saved. Right? In fact, I have proof. I have proof of that. When the Lord went to Ananias, and he said, hey, Saul is coming down the road. Let, this, is, this is what he said in Acts 9, verse 13 to 14. This is the type of guy we're talking about this morning. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And, he, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind up all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is chosen, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Man, Paul is one bad cat. He was one bad cat. He was feared. And, and, and I bet if I lived back then, I would have said, There ain't no way this dude's going to get saved. Right? There is no way. See, church, because here's the deal. We lose focus. We lose our awe of who Jesus is. And we forget about the authority of Jesus. Amen? It ain't about men. There's no man that can stand against Him. He already defeated. But then we walk in a defeated state because of somebody that's a bad cat. So let's read verse... Uh, let me go back to Galatians. Get your Bible back to Galatians. We're going to read verse, verse 15 and 16 again. I just want to read that to you so, so we get this all in, 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 in context here. Verse 15 and 16 again. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and he who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. See, now we know in Paul's case... The person of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to him. The Bible tells me so. So not to say that that can still happen, right? God's God. Jesus can still come down. He can stand right here in the flesh next to me today if he chooses to. But my friends, Jesus 
have authority and power over all. There is no man that Jesus can save. Amen? There is no man that Jesus can save. I, I want you to think about that person in your view right now. I want you to take a minute. Don't look at your body. Don't look at your kid. I want you to just think about who is that person in your mind that there's probably no way they're ever going to get saved. Just go there for a minute. Now, now I want you to think of, of all the reasons that you think that. Because we can make it pretty convincing, amen? I want you to think about why this person probably ain't going to get saved. That's a pretty convincing case, ain't it? Now I want to tell you to pray for that person. In fact, if you have a pen, write his name down or her name down. And I want you, when you go and when you pray, when you get in front of God, I don't care if you do it in your vehicle, if you do it in your room, if you have a quiet time, you have a closet, I don't care what you do, what you do works for you. But when you do it, I want you to pray for this person that you just thought about, that you just thought, hey, probably ain't no way they're going to get saved. I want you to get to praying for them. And, and, don't, and here's the deal. Do not give heaven rest for their soul. Amen. I want you to call upon the name of God. Earnestly ask God to move in their, in their heart. I can think right now. I pray for. There's probably 10 people. Kids included. That I pray for every morning. That I look at them and I say. Man. In my mind, there ain't no way where I could do something that's going to lead them to Jesus. I know they hurt. I know they pain. I know they hang-ups. I know what they believe. But God. Amen? But God. So that's what you do. You ask God to draw them to Himself. And then to use you as He see fit to introduce them to Him. Now that's the important point this morning, church. Listen, I didn't say you bring Him to cross point on Sunday. Amen? So you're tired and weary, I get that. But I didn't say bring the cross point on Sunday, you've got to meet my preacher. Man, that's, a, that's the worst evangelism tool the church has ever adopted. Come meet my preacher. Your preacher don't know him. Your preacher haven't walked with him. Your preacher haven't lived life with him. You have. Why? You, listen, here's the deal, church. It's not up to your preacher to go reach people alone. You will be my witnesses. Who's he talking about? The preachers? All of you. Amen? So when you get saved, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Your preacher ain't no more powerful than you are and have no other tools than what is available to you to reach people for Jesus. Amen? So you can reach your town. Amen? Come on. So, so, so you pray and you earnestly ask God to use you to share with them. Share with them what He's done for you. See, here's the deal. You have now called on the power of Almighty God. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you about a guy named, named Daniel Boone. Not the, not the legend. He came several years later. He's still alive, praise God. But, 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 but Daniel <coughs> is a drug dealer. Was a drug dealer. In Ash County, North Carolina. He was the roughest... And biggest drug dealer at that time. Daniel carried a gun. And, and, and he carried it for a purpose. All of Ash County knew who Daniel Boone was. And knew the things that he was into. Excuse me. And I bet you. 
and I know this for a fact because I've talked of them, there's no hope for Daniel Boone. He ain't, he'll never get saved. Dealing drugs, carrying guns, in with the wrong crowd. You know what, my buddy, Steve Ashley, they started doing a feeding program out of his church where they delivered meals to the lock-ins and elders and those in need. <clears throat> they just happened to show up at Daniel Boone's house. Gave him a couple of times they went out, gave him a basket or whatever they were giving at the time. Church were reaching out to Daniel Boone. And uh, they, on Wednesday nights, they, uh, they have prayer meeting. Would you not know it? I'm getting goosebumps. Daniel Boone walked in that church. Amen. In walks Daniel Boone. And Daniel Boone got saved. Amen. And, 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 and it shocked. And it encouraged. And it woke up all the Christians in Ash County to the power of God. Man, let me share with you another story. I, uh, I've, been, I've been driving a girl on Wednesdays. This is just here in Cowley. And I'm not going to use their real names, but I've been, I've been driving a, a, a girl on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, I drive the van. It's partly because I love it, but partly because nobody else wants to do it. Um, <laughs> but I drive the van. I pick up kids in, 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 in Deaver and in Byron. And uh, it takes me about an hour round trip or so, hour and 20 minutes from my house, from my family, during our dinner time, all that. So, it, it, you know, but I do it because it, it, it becomes one of my favorite things I do because I get to pour into those kids while we drive. And uh, there's this one kid, we picked her up. I've been picking her up for a year. And I said, hey, you ought to invite your mama to church. I'd love to meet your mama. I never met her mom. I said, I'd love to meet your mama. I'd like to invite your mama to church. And, and she laughed at me. See, they have a, a history of, 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 uh, of just a tough life. We heard about lost this morning. They lost, she lost her husband. Little girl lost her daddy a couple of years back. She said, my mama ain't never going to come to church. She's into a bunch of other stuff that we won't mention today. She ain't going to come to church. And I thought, well, you don't know my God. So, so... Uh, the girl wanted to go to camp. One, one Saturday, I got a text. My girl wants to go to camp, Baptist camp here in Casper. I said, sure. So, so they're leaving Sunday. I'm like, man, you know what? I know I'm a rebel, and I don't follow rules. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes before I ever check with anybody. I said, your kid can go to camp. Praise God, they let her go into camp. And, um, but she had to sign a waiver. So we said, hey, Mary Beth told me, she said, Tell her that her mama needs to come to church on Sunday and come sign this waiver for us so she can go. Or tell the mama that. I thought in my mind, I thought, hey, no way that mom's going to come. This poor kid ain't going to get to go to camp. You know who walked through the door Sunday morning? Mama did. She sat there. I never met mama. I gave, I, I, man, I don't even, I preached on husbands and wives that Sunday, I believe. And, uh, and here... I do the invitation. We were in First Corinthians, and uh, I do the invitation. Guess who, guess who gets saved? Mama got saved. We're baptizing her next Sunday. Amen? So, so there ain't nobody that God can't say, Church, I'm here to tell you that today. God can still save anyone. Third observation, verse 23 and 24. It says this. The only way he... They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. 
Now listen to verse 24. And they glorified God because of me. Man, I, I, you know, the, the sort of the, 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 that point is salvation encourages the saints. So man, man, I think of those who watched Stephen get stoned. Those who fled elsewhere. Those who lived in fear. Think about that day they heard that Saul of Tarsus got saved. Amen? Glory day. I, I bet they gave them new hope. In fact, I know it did. It encouraged them to keep on going. It reminded them that even when we don't see it, God is working. Church, I want you to remember that today. Even when you don't see it, God is working in the Daniel Boons. He's working in the mama of the child who said, I am coming. He's working in that one that you've been trying to reach for 5, 6, 10, 20, 30 years. God is still working even when you don't see it. I think of the discouraged church planter in Wyoming. Just this week, another church planter in Gillette has left. Man, Wyoming's a tough place to come and plant a church. I think of Alan Bella down in Kim. There ain't nobody around him to go sit down face to face and encourage him. I think of many church planters that I've heard. You know what the lifespan of a church planter is in Wyoming? Five years. They get discouraged. I think of them. I think of that man. That those guys got me and they don't know nobody. They go to reach this unreached town. And, 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 and you know that it's, it's tough. Just like it was back here when, when all these folks were fleeing because of what Saul's done. Then they hear. As in their discouragement they hear. Water of life is baptizing close to ten people next Sunday. See God is on the move. And it puts the focus. Trust. And people's encouragement back on Christ. Amen. God is able. So here's what I want to tell you, church. Share about souls being saved. Share about testimony about what God's doing here. Share what He's doing in your life. Share the testimonies and encourage the saints. For God is still on the throne. Amen. God is still on the throne. He's still working and He is still able. So cross point. So we come to a close. I, I, my prayer is, as I wrote this this week, I don't know y'all, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what's going on. I didn't call John and say, tell me where you, where you think your church is at. This is just God, just put this message in my heart. But I pray that you walk out of here on fire for Jesus. I pray that, that you don't give up hope and don't lose hope. That you keep sharing Jesus and allow God to do the saving. See, God can save anyone. So go and encourage the saints with the life-changing testimonies of the salvation in Christ.